Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome back to the latest edition of The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined, as always, by my colleague, Stuart Mandel. We are taping on a Wednesday night, which means we're on the eve of what's a pretty big Thursday night uh, for the first weekend of college football, Stu. We got Ohio State and Minnesota. Uh, We have a huge group of five game in UCF and Boise State in Florida. Um... We're going to get into a bunch of interesting questions we got in the mailbag. I know we're both kind of tired because it's late in the day, but um, does it feel like Christmas Eve a little bit? Yeah, we've got to find a different time to record this second episode of the week. We're, we're too old to be doing this late at night, but yeah, I'm, uh, I can't, even though we got a, a taste of it, obviously, last weekend, and even there was the UAB game Wednesday night, the fact that we're going to be watching Ohio state that we're going to be watching. I mean, I remember when the UCF Boise state game got announced a few years ago and everybody was so excited because these were at that time considered the two marquee group of five teams who knew they would both be on to new coaches. Um, I want to, we want to use in general, we're going to want to use this second episode of the week during the season uh, primarily to address your emails, but you can send to the audible pod at gmail.com um i do want to get in a quick plug for just some amazing reporting being done on our site right now on the athletic by andy staples and ari wasserman they've been all over the bishop sycamore fiasco and peeling back all the layers of this scam that uh that i compare to the Firefest. uh i'm sure this is heading toward documentaries as well but if you go to the athletic.com slash the audible you get 50% off a subscription to The Athletic right now. Bruce, that is less than $3 a month. You will get their stories. You will get uh, Bruce's amazing feature on Kayvon Thibodeau. You'll get Chris Vanini on the 25th anniversary of Randy Moss at Marshall and many, many more. And also, you're listening to a podcast. You love podcasts. The Andy Staples and Friends show is spectacular. And actually, he and Ari... Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday, if you want to find that episode, um, went into detail on what they've been learning about Bishop Sycamore. If, like me, you can't get enough of that story. Uh, <laughs> what? No, I, I, I it's, it's interesting because you are, you, are, you are deep down the rabbit hole of that. This story, you know, just I don't want to go too far down on it, but this story feels so much like the old um, college basketball recruiting messes oh, yeah. from like 20 years ago where the sketchy figures would be just kind of, you know, moving from one school to the next. And I'm talking about the people who are either running them, not the players themselves, but just 
I don't know. It's it's just like they these things scream of a like you know you not even last chance you wish, but stuff like you would expect to see on either a bad TV show if it's fictionalized or a docu series. As best I can tell, so far. Because it's clearly a scam, but it's a little hard to figure out what the what the end goal of the scam is. Like with those basketball ones, they were getting the Tracy McGrady's and whatnot to come to their schools, and the goal obviously was to latch onto them because they're about to go to the NBA. This guy's got a bunch of guys who either aren't in high school still or shouldn't be in high school still. He claims they have offers, but they don't. Like, there's no easy way to see how you're making any money off of this other than they keep and this is in the news story they keep stiffing the hotels that they stay at and then pocketing the money um but you it's funny you brought up last chance you i'm almost positive that's the goal here they he thinks that they can get like their own last chance you type netflix series but i think you gotta actually do something on the field uh to get something like that anyway terms of college football a lot of big games this weekend i'm sure georgia clemson will be the highlight uh but real quick you're doing the lsu ucla you're doing sideline for fox for the lsu ucla game and a little bit of a wrinkle obviously this week an unfortunate one um because of a you know just devastating hurricane that ripped through louisiana um first of all the tulane oklahoma game it was going to be at tulane got moved to Norman uh, Tulane has been practicing in Birmingham. And of course, LSU had to relocate as well. What do you know about all the adjustments they had to make on the fly to, uh, I mean, this is a pretty big game to, to have to relocate the week of. Yeah. So on Saturday night, LSU made what is normally a four hour drive from Baton Rouge to Houston, where they were spending much of this week. Uh, that drive took, over 10 hours, I'm told. Um, I guess they were cruising along until they got to Lake Charles. And then then it was just a massive uh, influx of people trying to get out of that state and evacuate. And so they spent the bulk of this week uh, in practicing at in the Texans facilities and, and in Houston. And they are flying to uh, the practicing tomorrow morning, Thursday morning in Houston and then there or tomorrow around uh, late morning. And then they're flying here to Los Angeles Thursday. And, um, you know, so I, from talking to their staff, I think the, the, the biggest focus was making sure everybody's families were okay. And for the most part, it sounds like that, like everybody's accounted for. I think there's some, from what I understand, there's a few families that really have their homes have taken on, you know, a lot, some damage. Um, the other thing that's been a big issue from what I'm told is around new Orleans is with people's power, they expect to be out for a extended period of time, perhaps even a month. Right. And so that's a big issue, um, on top of it. Uh, so, you know, look, uh, one of the things that they said, once they felt like everybody's accounted for and families are seem like they're, they're doing okay. And they're kind of looking at it as almost like the same way you'd prepare for a bowl game where you're basically in a different locale. You're kind of in hotels for an extended period of time. And that's how their approach has been. And we'll see how it, uh, how it pays off for them. I mean, it's sad, but it's like, this is not, 
new for the people of Louisiana to, to deal with this sort of thing. So um, our hearts go out for, for them and in other parts of the country where this is now impacting them. Yeah, we have a writer and two editors on our staff who live in New Orleans and have had to evacuate and not, have no idea when they'll be able to go back when their house will have power again. So um, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I feel like we've been dealing with something like this, maybe not quite to this extent, but seemingly every year, or every other year, uh, hurricane season is always right at the beginning of college football season. Um, okay, should we open the... Let's get to the mailbag. I'm going to, as always, send your questions to the audible pod at gmail.com. First question I'm going to go to Stu. This one I think will be for you. It's it's from Blaine in Virginia. Saban has had a great run of offensive coordinators, but Bill O'Brien has only coached in college for two years since 2007. There's impeccable talent at Alabama, but I could see some offensive struggles this season. Even Pete Carroll, Urban Meyer, Brian Kelly, et cetera, sometimes have stinkers of a year on offense. Could this be the year that the offensive lock in Tuscaloosa runs out? It's a good question. Um, But I think Saban has set up something there where it's pretty hard to screw it up. And I think of Brian Dayball, who, uh, I mean, Bill O'Brien was a Big Ten head coach. Let's not forget. Uh, Brian Dayball, if I'm not mistaken, had almost no college experience. He was an NFL guy through and through. He came to Alabama for one season. Uh, that was the 2017 team that won the national championship when Tua came into the second half of the championship game. So um, I think that each of those guys that has come through there, whether it was Kiffin, Loxley, uh, certainly Sark has put their own stamp on it. Um, but it's the Alabama offense at this point. And, 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 you know, even though, and it's insane how many of the guys from Alabama's 2020 offense, Mac Jones, by the way, there are five first round picks off that offense. And I believe four of them have, we already know are going to be opening day starters, including Mac Jones. Do you remember how many times on this podcast last year, we were talking Heisman and Mac Jones was kind of an afterthought. It was always like, well, it's the talent around him. It's Devontae Smith. It's Najee Harris. Bill Belichick thinks highly enough of Mac Jones for him to be starting right from week one. So it was a historic offense we saw last season. I think they will take a step back. I don't think they will be the offense you saw in 2020, but I don't think it'll be like they suddenly can't find the end zone. It's Bryce Young. Uh, it's it's uh, they have Ryan the best Robinson. offensive lineman anchoring an offensive line that has some experience. Evan Neal at left tackle is the mm-hmm. is as good as it gets. Uh, I think one thing that is key and look, I did an extensive story on the evolution of the Alabama offense. One thing that I think is key is Bill O'Brien knows the new offensive line coach really well. They go way back. That's Doug Marone, who, by the way, also obviously coached in the NFL. And I think that synergy is critical. Um, one thing that I, I thought will be interesting to follow is, um, and this kind of came up in that story, like Lane Kiffin is a good play caller. Lane Kiffin is not a quarterback's guy. He's a receiver's guy. Um, and so the feeling was that, especially with Sark, the quarterback at Alabama got coached at an exceptionally high level. Um We'll see if there's any drop off there because obviously that helped Mac Jones. That definitely helped Tua. So we'll see how it works now 
for the LeBron. He did coach Tom Tom Brady back, you know, before he was at Penn State. But I don't he know. He got Matt you know. McGloin into the NFL for a bit. So, you know, the guy seems to know what he's doing with quarterbacks. Um, when you mentioned Doug Marone in passing, I was just thinking to myself, man, when you when you can have former NFL head coaches as your OC and your O-line coach here, you know you've got it good. The other thing I would say about Alabama is, um, you know, the last couple years, I would say, the defense was not necessarily up to the Nick Saban standard. And so it was good that they had an offense that basically couldn't be stopped. Their defense is going to be probably be ridiculous this year. I mean, Chris, um, uh, Will Anderson, is, from all accounts, you know, fresh, freshman standout last season, unblockable in preseason practice. Christopher Allen on the other side of that. Um, Christian Harris is a great linebacker. Uh, Jordan Battle. I mean, just the list goes on and on. I think this is probably, um, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, about as talented as the defense as he has had in several years. Yeah, I would. I would tend to agree with that. We'll see if they have that dominant. If there's anybody who's like a Quinnen Williams like presence in the middle of the defensive line, um, that's something that I don't. They did not have last year, but. Uh, very curious to see how they look week one against Miami. I mean, it's a big spread. We'll see if they can cover it. It's, al- it's almost 20 it's points. up to 20 points now. Yeah. And I'm like, hmm, I actually think Miami's going to be pretty good. That is a big number to cover. But as I wrote in the mailbag, uh, in these neutral site openers under Saban, they are 9-1 and one against the spread with an average victory margin of 25 points. So take that what you will. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, our next one, I'm going to go to Jordan in Columbus, Ohio. I wonder what team he's asking about. Stu and Bruce, love the podcast and all your work. Can't wait for the season. Us too. Uh, my question is for Bruce. You said on the podcast you don't think Ohio State will be that good because of their defense. You said they're a 10-2 team who may not be much better than Iowa. Did you actually say that? Uh, I said something like that. You know what the thing is? I didn't say it on our podcast. I said it on Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Ah, okay. He's a close listener. Um, My question is, how can you be relatively low on Ohio State, but high on Clemson, Alabama, and OU? On the OU end, people are saying their defense is better, but that hasn't been proven. Clemson lost a generational QB, the best running back in school history, has a suspect O-line, and a Poor defense. I'm going to disagree with the last one. Lost to Notre Dame, almost lost to BC, uh, and got blown out by Ohio State in the playoffs. And they played Georgia week one. Hmm. 
We both pick I explain my can I we ex- both pick Clemson to win the national championship. Uh Bama is well Bama, but it seems disingenuous to not admit that there could be a slight step back for all the reasons we said in that last question. So Bruce, what is different that you're confident in those three teams would think OSU is 10 and 2? Okay. So first of all, I have Ohio State as one of my four playoff teams. Um now here's what I think. I think they will have a terrific offense. This is the best group of receivers that, and this is saying something because I feel like they've had some really good receivers at Ohio state. This is the best group of receivers. Ohio state has had there um, in the last decade. Plus, I don't want to say it's better than maybe what they might've had in the early mid nineties because they've had some freaks there back then, but Ted, Ted Ginn, Antonio. No, I'm talking about like the Joey Galloway, David Boston days. So you're putting this year's group ahead of the Ted Ginn's Antonio Holmes year. I am, yes. Wow. Um, because I think insane. the two. You might be I right. Think, I think I think Olave and Garrett Wilson match up with them, and I think you have you know, Marvin Harrison's son is supposed to be ridiculous. They have. I've heard a lot from the guys I know on that staff about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, it's a deep, deep group. They got two two proven headliners. But then after that, I think they got three legit running backs. I think that Travion Henderson is going to be a breakout star this year. They have a really good offensive line. Here's where my, my concern is with them. They were not very good on defense last year. No way around it. They were not good on defense and they were not good on defense last year. And by the way, they lost almost all the linebackers they had. And some of those guys like Pete Warner was a really good football player. So my concern is, yes, I do think they will be better on the defensive line, but I'm not convinced that, you know, Kerry Combs is going to have a elite defense. I mean, I thought that one of the best hires Ryan Day made when he took over was bringing his buddy Jeff Halfley in to run the defense. That proved to be a great hire because they were really shaky on defense the year before that, giving up big plays. Halfley came in and kind of solved that, but... You know, look, I know they're high on some young players, some young defensive ends. I, I expect, I've heard really good things about Denzel Burke as a DB. But again, they were not that good on defense last year. And you're talking about losing some of the best players they had um, from that in the middle of the defense. So that's why I'm a little hesitant in terms of why I am higher on those other ones. Um, you know, Alabama, you and I just talked about. Clemson, I feel like... They are, they have a lot of guys back. I mean, I just feel like they were, I just have more confidence in them. Brent Venables is a proven defensive coordinator. He's a terrific defensive play caller. OU got way better. OU was what on defense was better um, than they've been in a long time on defense. I think you would agree with that with what Alex Grinch has done. It's Ohio State that was not very good last year on defense. And Again, I think they'll be better. I just don't know how much better they're going to be because you have like people like, well, don't you know about Taraja Mitchell and started rattling off all these recruits? None of those recruits, none of those guys had more than seven tackles last year, you know? So if they, if some of them were that good, they would have, they would have, you know, taken more prominent roles last year. So anyway, that's my thing. I think they're, I think offense will make them a, a playoff team. I think they were my number four team in there. And, you know, as far as do I think they're that much better than Iowa? No, I think Iowa is a top 10 team. And that's not like saying, I think Iowa stinks. I think I was like, you know, a legit, really good team. There's no, it's not like I said, do I think they're as good as 
you know, I think they're just a little better than Maryland, or I think they're a little better than, than Nebraska or Purdue or Minnesota. No, I, I just think Iowa's really good. Just for a little perspective, and, and this would be, it would have been good fodder for your uh, answer if I had thought to look it up sooner. Uh, defense, yards per play allowed last season. The teams that he mentioned in Ohio State, Clemson was number 19 in the country. Uh, Alabama was number 20. Oklahoma was number 26. Ohio State was number 77. And they were particularly low against the pass. And for that reason, my, you know, I, I share all the same concerns you have about their defense. But then you think about what quarterbacks in the Big Ten, you look at the quarterbacks in the Big Ten that they're going to face that could actually really exploit that defense. There aren't many. Um, Michael Penix is one. He did it last year. They'll definitely play Indiana. I'm looking at my app on here. The second team preseason quarterback is their own, C.J. Stroud. And the third team is Tanner Morgan, who had a good season two. They will play tomorrow night. Yeah. So, you know, there's your chance, Tanner Morgan. Light up that defense. But even Oregon, uh, you know, if you think, okay, Oregon's a top 10-ish team, maybe they can pull that upset. Their biggest question is quarterback. So it could be a thing where they go 12 and one, get into the playoff and then get smoked um, by an elite quarterback from one of the other conferences. But that is a long way away. Okay, Stu, this question is from Jeff Taylor in Baton Rouge. Dear Stu and Bruce, it appears that the Alliance of the Big Ten PAC 12 and ACC seeks to minimize, if not completely eliminate non-conference games between the Alliance and the SEC. I've heard much hand-wringing about how UT and OU moving to the SEC, quote, was not good for college football, end quote. This alliance, for scheduling purposes, doesn't seem good for college football either. Thoughts on that? And as a side note, I'm confident the four SEC, ACC rival games, rivalry games are in no danger. Bruce, it's actually from Jeff Trailer in Baton Rouge. You said what? Taylor. Uh, and and you don't think it's the UTSA head coach, do you? I don't think he's relocated to Baton Rouge, no. <laughs> like, you know, if, if he if he's secretly asking us questions, I would think you would disguise his name, not his hometown. Um, little giveaway. This, this will be up on the site by the time you listen to this. My upset special for week one is Jeff Trailer's UTSA team catching the Illini sleeping after their big week one win. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. I did. I did not get to see your picks. So I missed that. It's not even a biggest, that big a spread. It's like five and a half. Um, yeah. Look, none of us know exactly how this Alliance thing is going to shake out because I don't think they do. Um, but uh, and George Klyovkov, the Pac-12 commissioner did say at one of his campus tour stops that the goal is to, and possibly as soon as next year, if their TV partners will cooperate, is to get down, go down to eight conference games and then play, each team plays one home, one road against the other Alliance conferences, which I think is... It's an interesting pivot. It's an interesting pivot because I remember talking to David Shaw years ago and they were very frustrated that the sec was stuck on eight games and they were playing nine. Yeah. So now they're going to drop to eight and the sec is probably going to go to nine. Um, so, I mean, I think that's a good thing that you're guaranteeing each team to power five non-conference games. Um, I would, I would think it'll be kind of like the, 
um, ACC Big Ten Challenge in basketball where you try to match up comparable teams, I would hope at least. Um, but they explicitly said in that press conference, they didn't give many specifics, but one thing they said was they would not be uh, preventing their teams from scheduling the SEC or any other conference. So, yes, I would assume those SEC-ACC rivalry games stay. Um, if you're Ohio State and you've already got a home-and-home home schedule with Alabama, are you going to cancel that? Because now you've got um, UCLA on the schedule. I would hope not. Um, and and that's really where the 12-team playoff thing is so huge. And look, these three conferences will also have a pretty big say in whether we're going to go to that sooner or later, sooner being 2023, later being 2026. Because, you know, I think around college football, the feeling is once you go to that, and then you now you – don't have to schedule out of fear anymore of like, Oh, if we lose, if we schedule too tough a non-conference and we lose, we're out of the playoff. Not if it's a system with where, you know, each of those conference champions is going to go to the playoff anyway. And then there's that large spots on top of that. So it could be great for the college football fan. I mean, I think in the, in a decade from now, it's just going to be the norm that Georgia Alabama, Ohio State, you name it, plays at least two, if not three, uh, of those kind of non-conference games. It will not be good for the group of five, who I think will get dropped down to, um, you know, a lot of teams now play three of those. They might go down to playing one of those. All right, last one, Bruce. Brian Johannes in Loveland, Ohio, my own brother's hometown. Or Where is Loveland? Is it near Cincinnati? Yeah, it's us basically a suburb of Cincinnati. Um, that's where he we grew up in Blue Ash. He lives in Loveland now. Maybe they're neighbors. I don't know. Um, I think he's a UC fan because he says, uh, gentlemen, I've heard Bruce say a few times on the podcast that Luke Fickle is going to be picky when it comes to his next job, next job, and is likely only considering Ohio State or Notre Dame. But I wonder if likely sooner rather than later, Nebraska opens up, if that will be something Fickle considers a program with potential, lots of resources, and plays in a much more manageable division. So, Stu, I was thinking about this, and I appreciate Brian's question, but, and this is not a shot at Luke Fickle, but I don't, you know, like, if you're watching this and you, you, uh, you're you at Cincinnati, which who knows where Cincinnati will be, you know, coming out of the Big 12 possible expansion or whatever, it's going to happen there, but... I'm just looking at it going, you watched, you're watching um, Scott Frost, who was a very successful coach from the AAC, go in there in his home state at a program he knows well and basically getting his head kicked in. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying there's no potential. There's resources, but there's, there's a lot of challenges when it comes to recruiting there. Um, it isn't a more manageable division, but Man, I, I, and again, this is not a knock at Luke Fickle. I'm like, to me, is it that much of a better job than what he has now? I mean, I don't know. I mean, because I, I those two jobs there, Ohio State and Notre Dame, like, I don't think Notre Dame is open anytime that soon. And Ohio State, if if and when Ryan Day were to go to the NFL, I don't think that's going to happen, you know, in the next couple of years. But if it does happen, if it happens after a little while, I could see Ohio State 
promoting Brian Hartline to that job the further he gets into it. Um, he's an Ohio State guy too. He's done a pretty you know amazing job there. So I guess my point is, if you're Luke Fickle, I don't know. Or, I mean, he's got a big family. They obviously have roots at UC. I, you know, I, I mean, I think if fun. he has the kind of season that we're predicting them to have, he's going to have better options than Nebraska. And that but what are those options crazy. that you like? What are those options where you think? He's well, there's one come? obvious one. And it's in your city, yeah. you know, I mean, his, the guy who hired him at Cincinnati, Mike Bone, is the AD at USC. I think you and I both would uh, both assume that that job, that there's a pretty decent chance that job is going to come open at the end of this season. So like you, you would definitely take that over Nebraska, I would think. You would think. But the question <laughs> is, uh, like you said, I mean, the, the 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 notion that that a coach would stay would turn down Nebraska to stay at Cincinnati would have seemed insane not long ago, but I feel like with the changes that are afoot, I mean Big Twelve expansion is going to happen at some point, possibly soon, and Cincinnati sure seems like they're near the top of the list. I don't know why they wouldn't be. Um, not now you're going to a diminished Big Twelve, but still I believe a step up from from the AAC. Um, and the 12 team playoff suddenly, you know, Cincinnati no longer has to worry about going undefeated and not being able to have a chance at the national championship. So does that change the equation for a top group of five coach like that? You know, whereas Scott Frost, uh, Tom Herman was, I think at Houston for only two years and he, and he mm-hmm. jumped and Frost was only at UCF for two years. Uh, I just wonder if some of these changes to the sport will make it, um, will help deter a coach like fickle from leaving so quickly. Yeah. I mean, like another school that I would have thought, you know, would be in that Ohio state Notre Dame category for him is, would be Penn state. It's just, unless James Franklin's going to USC or decides he wants to coach in the NFL, I'm not sure where he's going. Well, you mentioning James Franklin right there at the end makes me think of the fact that on Saturday at noon Eastern, we're going to be watching Penn state, Wisconsin, this is the first time I believe the Big Ten is opening with the with a huge conference game like that, and I look. It makes me realize that I, I we're only days away, Bruce, from the beginning of another season of debates on the Audible about whether James Franklin is a top five coach or a top fifteen coach or overrated or underrated. Uh, it'll probably start with whatever happens in Madison. It's going to be an awesome weekend. I know you're going to be. Uh, all over the place. I'm just going to kick back and watch all the games and enjoy it. And we'll see you guys next time.